0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Way. Today uh, I'm here with Anthony Flanagan, that's only a partial name, and I'm Benjamin LaGrange. I'm the pastor at St. Mark's in Comanche, and you're the pastor at?
1: Riverside Foursquare in LeClaire.
0: Okay, and what's your full name for all those who are interested?
1: Anthony Christopher Samuel Flanagan. Wow, yeah. that is
0: an awesome name. <laughs> it is,
1: it is, yeah, yeah.
0: So was was it all family members, or is it just a Um I a was supposed to
1: just be... It, It's a thing that only my parents did, they gave both my brother and I two middle names. Um, But I didn't have my full name two weeks before I was born. My cousin was born. I was actually supposed to be named Christopher Samuel and then they were trying to figure out another middle name, maybe Samuel Anthony. But uh, my cousin was born premature two weeks early and he took the name Christopher. So my parents decided to switch some things around and said, well now he's Anthony Christopher Samuel Flanagan. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, as far as the name goes, my parents, uh, didn't understand how prophetic the name actually would be, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, my name, when, when you run it all together, uh, it, it essentially paints a picture of a person who, uh, is existing in a springtime season, who is, uh, uh a hearer of God's word and a mouthpiece of God, uh, uh Christopher, a, cri- a representation of Christ, yep. was spoken into it. And then my last name, Flanagan, uh, actually uh, means ruddy, but we were black Irish. They were warriors. They were uh, um, the reckless Irish punch you in the face people. <laughs> and so uh, I do feel that I do live up to that name. <laughs> there you go. Your fiery is all that, day- I'll get out, right? Uh, every once in a while it comes out. Yeah. Can't contain it. <laughs>
0: That's all right. In fact, in my church this year, they said uh, that they got a new tree that's got blinking lights on it. They said, we should figure out a way to time them for when you get fiery and just have them flash. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you go. There well, that's go.
0: all right. Well, today we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, uh, the parable of the four, so- four soils. Um, the parable of the mustard seed. Uh, we're going to do just a, a quick reading through that, and we're just going to see what comes up along the way. Now, uh, you didn't have a lot of time to get prepped for this. You found out about this like five minutes ago,
1: right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just opened my Bible, and you said, let's go. That's, <laughs> that's. I love it this way, though. I like it this way.
0: It, and you know what? I think this is going to be natural for people as well. So please follow along in your Bibles. Uh, if you're actually driving, don't do that. Just go back to it later and check it out for yourself. Okay? <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, Mark chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, and the crowd had gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat and sat into the lake, while all the people along the shore and the water's edge, he taught them by saying many things and many parables, and he, teach, he taught them saying, saying <laughs> Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering seed. Uh, some fell along the path, and the birds came along and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where It didn't have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along the thorns, which grew up and and choked out the plants, so they did not bear fruit, or they did not bear grain. Still, the other seed fell on good soil, and it grew, and it produced crop, multiplying sixty or thirty or even a hundred times. And then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked about the parables, and he said, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing and never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. And Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word, and some hear it. and this. Uh, some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes along and takes away the word that was sown to them. And others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once receive it with joy, but they have no root, and they last only a short time. Still, when when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. And others still, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of uh, the wealth and the desires for other things come and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word and accept it and produce a crop, 60 or 30 or 100 times more than what was sown. He said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, why don't you put it on a lampstand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Uh, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen carefully to what you hear. He continued. and with the measure you use, it will be the it will be measured to you and even more. And whoever has been given more, whoever does not have, even what he has will has have, I'm sorry, even what he has will be taken from him. That's a lot to take in all at once. Isn't There's, it? A there. yeah. There's a lot there. There's a lot there.
1: Yep, yep. Um, is this when I give you my thoughts?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you you know, can interrupt me at any moment.
1: Oh well, no, I'll 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 wait my turn. Otherwise, you won't get to talk. <laughs> when I look at uh, you know the this parable here about the the sower and the seed and and all of this stuff, one of the one of the things that really jumps out to me is uh, people. They read this and they they think if I'm the sower, I want to sow into good soil or if I'm being sown into, I want to be good soil and and people obsess over the soil. And I don't think that this is a picture of obsessing over the soil, you know, as well as I do, that uh, we can't obsess over the soil. And the reason why we can't do that is because we preach to who we get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. that's what he's saying the kingdom of heaven is, is a proclamation that goes out and falls on many sorts of people and some people receive it one way or another way and all these other ways but ultimately one of the things that I find especially with the this younger millennial generation coming up they don't want to do anything unless it's the best thing they don't want to sow, they don't want to invest unless it's in the best thing all the time and essentially when I get this picture of the sower, he doesn't care yeah. where it lands. He's not dumping more seed on the fertile soil and less seed in the other areas. He's just kind of understanding some soil is better than other soil, but seed is seed and he's just casting seed and casting seed and casting seed. Now, that's understandable, but here's where like, we get this poverty mentality. We get this poverty mentality because we go, the sower only has so much seed and we say that to ourselves i only have so much seed i only have so much to give but the sower in this in this parable understands if i sow all of my seed and let's say you know this is proportionate, one quarter of it lands on fertile soil mm-hmm. then then that will yield 30 60 or 100 times right so we don't have to have a poverty mentality we have to be able to say i'm going to sow in whatever soil god gives me and whatever people God brings me to and understanding that that it's the Lord that brings the increase. Yeah. You know, I sowed Apollos watered, and God gives the increase. So so we can't do that. And and it really as a pastor, it bothers me sometimes because people go, well, I'll invest in you if you serve in the church. I'll and, and we invest the most heavily in those who already have been producing fruit and we go, oh, that one's producing fruit, and we, we, we sow into the one that's producing fruit all the time. And Jesus is like, hang on a minute. What about the ones that aren't producing fruit? What I mean, are you just gonna say that soil's doomed? You know?
0: I think there's a lot of people that would leave it to that. Yeah. And and there's something I've I've thought about with this process. You know, never does it stop and say the farmer stops spreading seed. No. You're right. The farmer doesn't worry about what soil.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now the farmer only has the land that he has. Now we know here in Iowa that the farmer only (laughs) wants the land that's touching his, right? (laughs) Now, but in these times, and and specifically in this place, we're we're looking at not very not what we'd call fertile soil. We would not be planting in black earth like we do here in Iowa. Sandy, rocky, and it's it's messy. There wasn't irrigation systems and other things. They just like. This is what it does. Mm-hmm. When I put it down, I know it grows. Yep. But we actually look at it sometimes with a religious attitude, and we look at our own disappointments. Well, I, look at what I put into this person, and nothing came back.
1: Yeah. Look what I yeah. did, and nothing
0: came back. But he says here that the farmer doesn't even understand how it grows. No. We no. don't understand how it grows. Uh-huh. And when it comes down to the break of this thing, we can understand that, hey, this is going to happen. You're going to have disappointments. Never once does it say, only plant where the soil is good. Plant yeah. Everywhere you go.
1: Yeah. And that, that was the instruction when he sent the disciples out, when he sent the 72 out, he says, go in proclaiming peace. And if they don't receive you, take your peace with you on your way out. But the really funny thing about that, too, is, is this is a revelation the Lord just showed me, is is Jesus sent the 72 into the towns mm-hmm. ahead of himself. Oh, yeah. He went, he went behind them. He was like, go check the place out, go proclaim the kingdom, then I'll come. And when we look at the idea here of, of, of sowing and fruitfulness of ministry and even our prayers, uh, I remember when we came to Leclerc almost four years ago, I was praying for the least. And guess what God gave me? The most. He, he gave me the most problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, you know and you know what though i i i said this is what the I, I said lord um i i'm gonna love the least i'm gonna love the the ones that are that are difficult mm-hmm. and because they're the ones that 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 the lord is for this season of my life is 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 giving you know it's just a yeah. heart cry he's given it to me and we had this woman come in that we really considered to be like our own Mary Magdalene nobody would have wanted to invest in this woman she comes in schizophrenia all types of disorders she had I mean half a page of just diagnoses written and she hands it to us and says are you gonna reject me now well now after two and a half years this woman is free of all of it all of it it's a miraculous work of God like Mary Magdalene work of God I mean Talking about somebody that has shown up at my house at one o'clock in the morning as a different person, yeah, and went through three or four other personalities while at my house, and every time I have to introduce myself. I mean, crazy stuff. But God works through that, and sometimes you don't know what soil you're sowing into. Right. And um, when when Samuel went out and he anointed, uh, when when he went out and anointed Saul, he was looking at the outward things. When Samuel went to Jesse's house, yeah. he still wasn't looking for David. But when he found David, the Lord showed him the excellence of David's heart. And the Lord showed him that he looks at the inward things, not the outward things. Right. So when we're looking for soil too often, we're saying, I want somebody that's already gifted, already talented, already passionate, already understanding. And I feel, especially even Jesus' understanding of this, sometimes that's the worst soil. I think it often is,
0: because what we, what we do is we often, we, I've seen church leadership where it runs in a way where it looks no different than American Idol. Yeah. And when you get to that, that level of talent, sometimes you just find the divas, right? Mm-hmm. You find the, the people that have their own requirements, they're like the Rolling Stones, they only want the green M&Ms, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it comes down to something a little more specific. And when we, when we look at the overall congregation, we often find there are people that are not even in the building. Yeah, there are people that are not showing up for your your every week service. That are the ones that are going to be your needle movers. They're exactly. going to be the ones that actually tip it in a different direction. And I, I think that's that's often where we need to look for. And when we talk about this, I think you know the the soil is the soil. The dirt is just the dirt for what it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when we can take a, a certain stance on this and you know you know change your position can change the the positioning of the stars, you know? It can change the whole view. So when we look at it from a religious attitude, you know, you're you're right, we do sometimes see that that overview, of, hey, I'm not gonna put something here. I'm not gonna invest in this. Yeah. That's not gonna be worthwhile. Or I'm gonna only invest in that. But the dirt is the same composition across the board. Yeah. yeah. The only difference is the condition yep yeah so as you were talking about the the 72 going out this is what ran through my mind I think this is what God's given me on this whole thing when when we go out we know that we're not the sower we're the soil preppers yeah yeah and that's the difference because the the part of this that makes sense most to me is the discipleship aspect it's the actual work You gotta till the soil, you gotta pull the weeds, you gotta do the other things, right? Because if you don't, this will happen, Mm -hmm. this will happen, this will happen. And we need to make sure that it actually sticks around. And the difference of what's good soil and not is what's been worked before and what is not.
1: Yeah, there's um, a book called Center Church, Tim Keller. As a matter of fact, I was talking about that book when I met you. Yeah. Uh, ben, people don't know this, but he was eavesdropping on my discipleship conversation. <laughs> and we just invited him in. <laughs>
0: we we're at a coffee
1: shop, and I could see him over there eavesdropping. So I said, like, dude, we need to talk. Um, <laughs> uh, isn't that funny? But um, you know, Tim Keller in Center Church he talks about how do you gauge success. And he talks about a lot of people want to gauge success based on the fruit. But that's not necessarily true because it does quite often take a more skilled, more faithful, um, more, dare I say, even powerful demonstration of the kingdom to see any increase from these desert areas. Uh, So so to that you you can't get your sense of effectiveness out of it. Yeah, Um, I have one as we were talking, one revelatory thing that the Lord started to show me. That that we can take out is a very familiar setup, and it just the Lord dropped it in my spirit. If this isn't your thing and you're listening to me, I'm sorry, but it's my thing, and the Lord just drops things in my spirit. So, uh, he he says in verse 16, uh, others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word at once, receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution come because of the word. They quickly fall away. And the Lord just kind of gave me a little roadmap here. Thinking about who's he talking to. He's talking to his disciples. Mm -hmm. But one in particular really jumps out to me. And that is Simon Peter. Who he gave the name.
0: He gave the name Peter. The the rock. The rock. The the pebble.
1: The pebble. Yes. And so when he gives Peter the name pebble. And then we see. Jesus rocky says, soil. you're going to deny me three times. Yeah. And Peter's like, no way. Persecution comes, and he, and he, and he, he runs. runs. But that Peter, that rocky soil, who was gung-ho, zealous, phlegmatic, gets drawn back in by the tender love of Jesus mm-hmm. uh, after Jesus' resurrection. Absolutely. And goes on to be the first leader among the apostles on the day of Pentecost.
0: Yeah, and that leads right back into what I was talking about. It's the soil that's tilled. Mm-hmm. The soil is the same. It's the condition and the position that are the difference. You know, I have um, I've experienced rub where people want to serve uh, those less fortunate, Mm -hmm. but I don't want them to sit next to me on Sunday.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I had, let me just interrupt for just a moment. Um, we, up until very recently, we've been working with another, uh, ministry that was facilitating some stuff for essentially women that were becoming homeless because of domestic abuse stuff. Mm -hmm. And we gave them, you know, this past year, we we just basically facility. we said, Here, here's facilities, you do your thing, and it came up for review, and uh, the the woman that runs the ministry, unfortunately, our council had to come in and, and say, we can't, we can't continue to do this as a church, not because we don't belong, believe in the mission, but because uh, the, mini- the ministry that was doing it was not effective. Yeah. Um, they were not effectively reaching, uh, we only saw two people in a whole year come through that program. And for us we just were not it's not about us but you know somebody say well God goes over the one and everything well as a church you have to be also responsible talking about soil or seed you know yeah you can but when you you can't just keep throwing your seed on soil that hasn't been tilled and and expect something to happen right so for us that is resources seed being thrown at something and it was not producing what the yield that we thought it would so in in that whole thing in letting them know, hey, we have to you know, cut this off here, uh, which is an incredibly difficult thing. And it's another thing as a pastor is mm-hmm. everything that you do is good and it's so hard to stop doing a good thing while you're looking for the God thing right? or, or agreeing with the God thing. And so this is one of those things. And I remember them saying, well, if, if we close this down, the people that are in application process right now that we have, um, which aren't even all the way there, just an application process. We could be accused of causing them to become homeless. Well, my very simple response to that is you have a home. If you believe so much in your ministry and you don't have homeless people in your house, but you're running a homeless ministry, you shouldn't be worried. Right. You should take them into your home. Take them in. It's only one or two people. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things that, that, uh, that you know, as a, as a pastor, I don't think that it's about the program. It's about the people. Right. And the people are the program, and uh, you know what? What program do you have for homelessness? Well, some people feed them, some people take them in, yeah. But I really believe the whole solution is what? What are the the congregants doing? Are they just reaching in their pocket and feeling good because they're supporting a, a program, right? Or have they ever actually opened their house to a homeless person?
0: And I think there's there's that difference, and I've often said that um, when it breaks down that mission and evangelism have to come together to build relationships. Mm -hmm. Because if you've got a mission as something I throw money at, and evangelism as some other dude out there on the street corner, then nothing will ever be accomplished. Those two need to meld to be actually able to progress. And that relationship is the core of it. Exactly. And you know where that frustration here is, and I've got a trump card on this one which I kind (laughs) of like to throw out now (laughs) and then. If you don't want a homeless guy or a drug addict Mm-hmm. In your church, look at your leader. There you go. As the leader of this church, I can tell you that at 18, I was a homeless drug addict. Exactly. Living in a Toyota. Exactly. So mm-hmm. what problems do we have now? Mm-hmm. Let's look to my leader, which is Jesus Christ, who did not have a home.
1: Foxes have dens.
0: Foxes have yeah. dens. Birds have nests. Mm-hmm. And the Son of Man has none. Yep. And this is this is what we need to look at. We need to look at that. Uh, direct application we we can look at it and say okay. Are there rocks in the soil? Exactly. Can that rock be moved? Yeah, exactly. And as you till up soil we you know here in Iowa if you're listening somewhere else you may not get this as much but when people till up uh, you'll actually see large boulders and piles of rocks on the sides of uh-huh. of these large fields uh-huh. and where do those come from Anthony, you
1: know? Well, they, they come from the earth. Right. I mean, they come from what they're tilling, they're pulling them up.
0: Exactly. As you till rocks, these large boulders actually start working their way up. Yeah, yeah. They, they rise to the surface. Rocks, you would think sink, but no, they actually rise as you till. And the tending of the field means you remove the rocks.
1: Yeah, but nobody wants to admit they have rocks. Oh, well, I don't. No, don't till me up. Right. You know, and that's that's one of the things that... It was made to be that. Yeah, way. so let me dress up and put on a fake face and say God is good and recite scripture and go to church. But, but really what we need to be in relationship with one another. And there's a few key things that I find if we really want seed to take in somebody's life. In that cultivating process mm-hmm. is we can't just barge into somebody's house like, you know, like a, like a, like a tiller, like a rototiller, you know? Right. Uh, you know, they, they say hi, and you're pushing the prime button and yanking the cord so you can tell <laughs> the soil of their heart, you know, here comes the tiller, you know? <laughs> um, I have found that uh, my greatest connections I make with people is when I invite them into my home. I don't say invite me to your house, I do sometimes, but typically we have to open our homes to somebody It's actually remarkable, remarkable what happens around the dinner table with somebody. Oh, yeah. And how much as well that you become aware of your own rocks because I just invited them into my garden. You know, this is my family. Your family is your garden, you know, and they come in and they and we don't pretend like if you walk in my house right now, it's a little bit messy. I don't care. I'm not going to put on a fake Anything yeah. for you. And I think that that's what the church needs to not be afraid of that, that they're going to be judged for having rocks in their soil. You know, it's like, no, you know, I have rocks in my soil. And it's funny because one time we had somebody over at our house for dinner and they started doing our dishes for us. And I'm like, Sweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give me their name and address. I'll invite them over. Yeah, I
1: was like, you know, it it was just the, these people, they couldn't stand looking at dirty dishes. I've uh, been to their home. Their home is much cleaner than our house and our house is not a wreck. But I have a 5-year-old and a 9-year-old. Oh yeah. And I'm I'm a pastor. I'm hard, I mean, come on. You're running around just and like anybody else. Absolutely. So, <laughs> and I think that's what that is, man. I mean, we, we've all, nobody's perfect, our soil's not perfect, it's all being cultivated all the time.
0: Yeah. Could you do me the favor and, and read through uh, 26 through 34?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, so he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scattered seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. And all by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel and the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows to become one of the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke. The word to them as much as they could understand he did not say anything to them without using parable but when he was alone with his disciples he explains everything
0: i love that section mm-hmm. one of my favorite quotes that comes from it i can't remember which pope uh maybe it was benedict uh the last one that was he said he's not known for a lot of a uh, lot of amazing over-the-top things where uh-huh. some of them uh-huh. are but he stood up in front of a crowd one time and said, I have a mustard seed, and I'm not afraid to use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I'd, yeah, I love that. I love that. i will steal here, that any day. Yeah, well, here's the thing is faith is not attained. Um, you know, the word, the word says faith comes by the hearing mm-hmm. of the word. But faith is something that the word also says that God gives out a measure of to every person. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do and when we're looking at this as well is understand that no matter once a mustard seed is planted no matter what you do the rest is up to the lord and quite often what people do is they they doubt the sowing of their faith we put faith in so many soils and everything like that we doubt it and i remember uh, the Lord gave me a vision once during worship, and then it just popped straight. I'm like, we're preaching, and sorry this wasn't planned, but here's the vision. And I said, I want you to envision that you just got a brand new house, and the yard has no grass, no trees, no anything in it, a blank landscape. But your favorite tree has been planted. But you don't know where. And you only have a bucket of water. Where are you going to put it? And... People's wheels are turning. And you have to explain all this stuff. When you plant a seed, you plant it deep. So if you scatter that water everywhere to try to cover all of your bases, you won't nourish the seed appropriately. Right. We have to understand that God, underst- God has placed desires and dreams within you. And if it is a God-placed desire and dream, I want that tree in the back corner of that yard. Then you take all the resources that you have that God gives you and you start watering as Apollos did. You don't know for sure the seed's there, but you do know that God will place dreams that, according to faith, will produce increase in you. Yeah. So what you do is you take that water and you go, I envision the tree here. This is where I want the tree. Yeah. This is my dream. My dream, my vision is that the tree goes here. And you take what you have and you dump it there without second-guessing anything. That's what faith should feel like. When we're talking about scattering seed, I only have so much seed. I only have so much time dump it in into the the you know uh, who who was it that says uh, uh, when it comes to in uh, investments, you know that you have to have multiple investments for security.
0: yeah, you spread them out
1: yeah that that's not what this is. No. <laughs> yeah, the, the Don't ki- spread it out.
0: <laughs> the reason I think that, that Jesus gives us those the kingdom of God is like moments is yeah. because it's not like ours. No, it's contrary. It, it is quite contrary. Yeah. And it's, it's upside down and backwards often. And I, I think about that. And one of the things that I, I see while I'm looking at this, we kind of hedge our bets as far as mm-hmm. um, exactly when we start looking at farming, just in general. And it, we can speak about this intelligently I'm not a farmer but I've been around a few uh-huh. and you're talking about that very same thing um, I, I've been a lifelong martial artist since I was 18 so I've got 24 years of experience now and um, one of the things we learned when we, when we learned about boxing and striking and kicking was there's five elements uh-huh. there's point, angle, speed and distance mm-hmm. you can control those things mm-hmm. but the last one is chance yeah. And the chance that you're going up against another boxer shrinks the rest of them. Exactly. <laughs> the chance you're going up against a, a guy that doesn't know increases the rest of them. Yep. And your training does the rest. Uh huh. So we start looking at this and, and when we're talking about this planting process, we can till the soil, we can put the right seeds out, we can do whatever, but you don't control the wind or the rain or the no, fires or none of it. And And God is in control of those moments.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely,
0: I look at at, it when we're starting to do these these particular things like How are things going and I start looking about it and most of it comes a matter of distance to the source of water? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know in uh, Most people don't think of this and in Egypt. What does the landscape look like?
1: Well, it's a lot of desert.
0: Yeah, in fact, when I'm, I'm seeing Egypt in my mind right now, all I can see is sand, dirt, and pyramids. Uh-huh. But in ancient times, nobody made more wheat than Egypt. Hmm. Nobody did. And, it, and when I'm looking at that in my mind right now, I'm like, how is this possible? Was it a different earth back then? Has something yeah, changed yeah. dramatically? But the simple fact of it is, Egypt is desert. When you get far away from the Nile, mm-hmm. the closer you get to the river, the more verdant things become and the more green and luscious they become. Yeah. And it looks no different than Iowa.
1: And in that day, that's where you, everybody lived. They encamped around bodies of water. Absolutely. There weren't a ton of desert people. Yeah. It was water. It was, and that's what Jesus, where, where, is he in, where is he in Mark 4? Yeah. He's, he's by a body of water, out in a boat, preaching to people. Exactly. Because you know, that's where the people are.
0: And here we are, and it's easy to say that because we're right on the Mississippi. I can see it out the window, uh-huh. and it's a, a simple enough deal. We understand that being close to the source makes the difference, and our fruitfulness actually comes mostly by being close to the source, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. God, and it's done by relationship, that's right. yeah. and that's the, the main thing that we need to understand. So this, this parable of the mustard seed, we talk about this tiny thing growing into something big, but it comes by... It's not all a matter of how much work you
1: put into it. I think it's a matter of God's providence. Yeah. I mean, uh, Hebrews 11 says it's impossible to please God without faith. And if God's the one who gives increase, <laughs> oh, yeah. then we have to have faith. And I think that's one of the pictures is the increase that we can have, the 60 to 100 fold increase that God gives when we find favor, not by what we do, but by. Honestly, sometimes in what seems like recklessness, just doing what God says to do the way he said to do it. It seems like recklessness. Even before, uh, you know, we have Isaiah 6 was quoted here, that they be ever seeing and never perceiving and never hearing and never. Well, that's what God told Isaiah immediately after his encounter with God in in the heavenlies, in the throne room of God. Woe is me in the coal and the seraphim and all these things. And then he and then Isaiah goes well how long God and God essentially says well as long as it takes yeah he doesn't even give like a time or a length for Isaiah to go out and and, and endure a people that wouldn't get him yeah but God says as long as it takes and eventually eventually God's people come to a place where they um, recognize Isaiah yeah as a prophet not just as some crazy guy running around naked
0: yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. That was a that's a fun one. Don't yeah. preach that on Sunday. Oh, I, not I, in a practical way. Yeah, I, <laughs> so, you know, one of the pains of a prophet is to see things for what they will be, mm-hmm. while living with things as they are.
1: Well, that's see uh, as a prophetic person, I can actually twist that a little bit. Yeah, it's actually seeing things as they are, but are not yet yeah because the prophetic you see things in the uh, everything that god does is already done that's what the prophetic does yeah everything god does is already done it's already come it's already there it's already completed um but uh and, and that might twist some people up and stuff like that but, but but everything that christ does is complete as well yeah it's a completed work and that really frees us from laboring yeah um and and so as a prophetic you know that's what we do we go I know who you are. I had a young man that I remember was angry all the time. And he's actually in school for ministry. He has been the last few years. Um, But he was angry. And I just looked at him and I said, you're a man of peace. Why? Because that's what God told me was true about him. And he didn't understand it. He goes, no, I'm not. I'm ticked off right now. I said, no, you're a man of peace. Because what the prophetic does is is a decree from heaven that people yield to quite often. They go, this makes no sense, but it makes sense. Yeah. And that's what it does. It speaks into existence the truth of the kingdom of heaven. And when we look at um, the, the mustard seed and all this other stuff, and, and he doesn't know. He says see, he doesn't know how it produces. Right. We as ministers, we, can, we, we think we know how what we do will yield fruit. And because we think we know how, we become over-observant, over-critical, and then we move our seed. It's yeah. like as soon as it starts to take root, we're the ones who are digging it up and,
0: the and movement, moving
1: it to another soil,
0: transplanting yeah. <laughs> it. Yeah,
1: because we don't have the faith to to trust God's process. Well, it was growing there. Yeah. why are we gonna mess with it? Yeah, uh,
0: you know, I I uh, see where you're at on that because you know, at the uh, start of my ministry when I was uh, I was still doing lay ministry, uh, pastor brought me in, uh, who wasn't really a fan of the fact that. Uh, I am not necessarily the most organized person. I'm, I'm definitely inspired to do certain things, but it's not a matter of meticulous uh, thought process all the time. Uh huh. So he was, uh, he was not a fan of the fact that we were teaching a small group Bible study when he thought certain people weren't mature enough to read the Bible for themselves, which just boggled my mind. Mine He he sat me down and he said, Ben. You remind me of Saint Peter, and I'm like, "Wow, that's impressive." I I don't see it, but he's like, "Yeah, you have a big mouth and a tiny brain." (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, "I said, you know what? I'm owning that." Yeah, hey. (laughs) And but the thing was, it's not who Peter was; it's who Peter would become. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I see that in myself, and I can see, yeah, okay, I've jumped out. My mouth has jumped out before my brain a few times in my life. And and I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, I think you know speaking the truth in love is more effective than keeping your mouth shut and just thinking bad thoughts at somebody.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think that's that's even worse. I mean, um, one of the things that one of my favorite Greek words right now is metanoia. Are you familiar with it? Um,
0: Met. Well, I can I can parse it out in my brain, but yeah. Okay. Go ahead.
1: It means change your mind or your way yeah. of thinking. But that's the word that we translate as repent. Yeah. So people today think repent means change your behavior, but it doesn't. It means change your way of thinking. The whole call, change your way of thinking because the heaven, kingdom of heaven is near. That's really what the call of God's church should be. Yeah. Change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven is near. And I say that because the Holy Spirit has empowered us to be his witness. Yeah. can't be a witness of something you've never seen or participated in. Or something you haven't heard and we we need to be able to be the types of people that don't go out saying You know, you need to change your behavior. You need to do this. You need to do that When we come to somebody with the Word of God, we should be able to say hey guess what change the way you think about yourself because the kingdom of heaven is right here, right? And when you read this word, it will come alive to you I don't care what you know or don't know when you read this word the kingdom of heaven is sitting on like like the conscience, you know, yeah. is like sitting on your shoulder. The kingdom is accessible through the word, if you would just agree to that.
0: truth. Yeah. and I think there's something about the entirety of the the gospel of mark. It's now and not quite yet. Uh huh. Now and not quite yet. That that's just that repetition that runs in my mind when I'm reading it. And and I think there's yeah there's that uh, change of thought process. I, I've been told way too many times that repentance means to turn 180 degrees, and it's not quite that, is it?
1: No, not necessarily. I mean, what it does mean, and and I could go on on this, but it's not necessarily our context in Mark. But what it does mean is turn from carnal to eternal thinking. Every everything that we're programmed to think from from the day that you're born into this earth mm-hmm. programs us to take care of me, my flesh, yeah. my desires, my needs, my dreams, me, 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 and that carnal thinking that, uh, you know, Jesus says, you know, if you're worried about what you're gonna eat or what you drink or what you're, where you're gonna go, what you're gonna do, he's like, that's what, that's what the carnal people, the heathen do. Right. But, you know, he says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. And so that 180 really is, I'm not seeking me anymore. I'm, right. seeking, I'm seeking an eternal kingdom.
0: Right, and if, if you were to actually just stretch that out even and maybe connect the dots even closer, your change of mind Mm-hmm. Will change your vision, which yes. change your direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I can see where the, the replacement of the word goes from one to the other. In that, yeah. there's some that are further stretches once once you read yeah. into the Greek. Uh-huh. But uh, just simply to to put, if the way we think changes what we do. Exactly. Um, there's too many times that people are now, especially, set on opposite sides. And they, they don't have the imagination to see from the other person's point of view. Yeah. And I think that imagination more than empathy is that thing that allows us to be all-encompassing.
1: Yeah, I think that um, when Jesus says that we ought to come to him like children, yeah. he's saying use your stinking imagination. I gave you one. You know, um, our minds can't even conceive the potential of heaven on earth. But we're supposed to be calling Heaven on Earth every time we pray the Lord's Prayer.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so, what are we doing?
0: <laughs> it's, it's faith into belief, into uh-huh. action. Uh-huh. And and I think there's a lot to that. You know, when we, we start looking at... Um, when we start understanding this for, for what it truly is, this Kingdom of God, it's not like what we would think. It's, instead of acquisition, it's relation. Mm-hmm. And, and it's overall what we need to understand. So that yeah. thinking of God as a father, um, I know some people have problems with, with the, the masculine language, but that's what he chose to identify yeah. in the yeah. scripture. So that's what, what I use particularly. But that relationship of a parent, I think of that in a completely different way. And that faith like a child means, uh-huh. I'm looking up and knowing that he does better for me. Yeah, yeah. And as, unru- as I was an unruly child, like you wouldn't believe, <laughs> my mom would have stories that would shake this podcast to its, its foundation.
1: Maybe you should have it wrong to <laughs> shake <shit. laughs> eh,
0: That's dangerous thinking, cool. but I like how it, <laughs> I might someday. So the, uh, the problem was, and it is for most people that the first, first word really out of our mouth after mom and dad is why?
1: Yeah. yeah. Isn't that,
0: isn't that just a great phase at two years old? Why? 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 yeah but
1: because i said so is bad programming
0: it is yeah it really is and the problem is we we learn to distrust our authorities and our uh-huh. but we don't see where they care for us and love for us and that is actually the evidence we need of their goodness exactly exactly so as we as we continue on i actually started to understand as as a youth leader oh I need to care for this person that helped me understand God in a different way Absolutely. And then as I became a husband and a father, it was like a whole new light bulb turned on. And then as I'm looking at how I'm dealing with my children in this particular way, I'm like, oh, God thinks of me like that. Yeah. And then I can't even get mad at my dog when she tears into the garbage anymore because yeah. I'm like, that's just a dog doing dog things.
1: Well, that's, She'll what, be better. that's what I, I – if, if you're a person that has experienced the peace of God – The kingdom of God, the order order of Melchizedek, the king of Shalom, Mm -hmm. that's Jesus. Um, Somebody might argue with me about that, but I don't care. I'll argue with you back. That's a type of Christ in the Bible, king Melchizedek.
0: Yeah, it's a warrior priest.
1: And so uh, when, when Melchizedek comes from Shalom and meets with Abraham and all these things are set, then we have Jesus comes up as a rabbi under the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was... The the king was a representative of a kingdom called peace. So when the kingdom of heaven comes into our life, we should expect peace to be an the thing. That's why he says in the Beatitudes, "Blessed are the peace bringers." Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we have to be that type of person. But we realize that we don't bring peace by fighting. We don't bring peace by you know get becoming that middle person, you know, and being like interpreting the fight, right. we, we bring peace because we bring a kingdom of peace with us as we go. Yeah, And then it's a non-retaliation, turn of the other cheek type of a peace that we bring that is hard to fathom. But when a man of peace enters a room, you really do know it. And I think that when it comes to even as pastors and we try to get involved and in, I don't know how much counseling you do, but when we get yeah. into counseling, we want to do all this stuff and we go, where's the peace of God here? And and I have found my best counseling trick, ever, is pray and seek God together. Yeah. If you if you do that and you accept that God's kingdom will bring peace to you, then you will stop condemning others because you're no longer condemned. You will stop getting upset. You'll stop defending yourself, and and it's counter it's counter character to mm-hmm. man.
0: It really is. We want to come up with medications and processes and whatever else, but you know even. Even the current psychological fields, the first questions they ask you if they believe you're in harm for yourself, Uh do you go to church? Oh,
1: really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, they ask, do you attend a worship service somewhere? Uh Uh, Do you have connections with your family? And these are the first few questions that they'll ask along the way. Because even though they won't admit it for directly what it is, they want to know, are you part of this kingdom? Yeah, is this relationship something there or something that at least models the relationship in your life? Yeah, because we are relational creatures. We are made in God's image and it's not five fingers on each hand It's not white skin or brown skin. What it is is that we are relational as God is relational We are yeah, he lives in harmony father son and spirit all in relationship with himself With themselves and when he made man, what did he say? It is not good. It was the first thing, Not good that he be alone. That he be alone, yeah. right? He, it is not good that he be alone. So what do they do? There you woman. go. Made woman yeah. and then we lived in harmony with God, each other and the world around us. And that is the gospel. That's what yeah. it should be. Even though we broke it, that relationship from Jesus comes down and helps us restore into that process. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, and as God's church, you know, something that the Lord has been speaking to me recently, just looking at the creation here is uh when we understand that God created us in his image, that means that his image is good. Oh, yeah. when we live in harmony, there's that, you know, that goodness, man and woman together. And he goes, that's very good. Yeah. And there is none that are good, none that are righteous, but the Lord. And so we understand that the purpose that we've been created, and when we get down to the striving, we get down to the ministry, we get down to the tilling of the soil, we get down to all these things. Yeah. The word says very clearly, it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Amen. If we can live, live from a place of goodness, your soil will be cultivated quickly. Amen.
0: That's absolutely right. And I, I think there's a, we got to a lot right on that section. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into the next so we can get down to business on this one. Uh, Jesus calming the storm from verse 35 through the end in 41. That day when the evening came, he said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. And there were other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. And the disciples woke him and said, "'Teacher, don't you care if we drown?' And he got up, and he rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, "'Quiet, be still!' And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to the disciples, "'Why are you so afraid?' you still have no faith? And they were terrified, and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I love this section of Scripture because it, it tells the truth of, of a lot of our hearts as we go through hard times, and even doubts about the goodness of God. People yeah. tend to doubt the goodness of God when they're in a storm. Um, and, and they can run from faith. They can stop participating in fellowship of the saints. Uh, stop giving. They, yeah. All kinds of things that happen when storms happen. Uh, but the idea here is that... Um, and I remember the Lord talking to me on this one before. He actually said, stop asking the storm to stop. Just stop asking me to quiet the storm. Because we look at this and people go... You know They'll read this and be like, Jesus can calm the storm in your life right now. Okay, he can, but what was his attitude about it? Yeah. His attitude about it was, you have no faith, and that's why I had to stop the storm. If you had faith and you understood who you were with, right. then it wouldn't matter. That's why we read the psalm, and we, uh, you know, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Yeah, and when we look at at this mustard seed, I mean, are these two completely different things? They they are mentioned before, you know mustard seed before this on purpose. Yeah, and and that is to understand. And here's here's the really cool thing. When you plant a seed in the soil, and the the rains come and all that 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 nourishes the seed so it can grow. But what we want is to be a seed planted. By still waters and all this that's great and all but you know a seed will not produce very quickly Without a root system near water. It needs it still needs nourishment Um, And and when we're looking at the storms of life, we have to understand the storms of life are there to nourish the seed of faith So that when we come out of that storm, there's a great testimony not that Jesus came and ended it all but that you made it through yeah. That's why he says there's no temptation that has seized you except that which is common of man. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a shelter that he will. Al- we will always have, uh, you know, the, the, the shelter of the Lord in the storm. Yeah. And the shelter of the Lord is the presence of the Lord is the peace of the Lord. Philippians says that. We go to the Lord with prayer and petition in all things and that he will give us the peace that surpasses all understanding to guard our hearts and to guard our minds. Yeah. And so when we, when we see this, again, goodness of God, the peace of God, that you can go through a storm having the peace of God and, and the conviction of his supreme goodness. Yeah. And they will guard your mind and your heart so your mind doesn't go to the I'm perishing Right. And final statement because I know you have something to say. No, that's right. In the book of Job, um, Job uh, somewhere around fourteen or so, he um, says the ho- the hope of the wicked is a dying gasp. Oof. And so when we look at that and we go, oh, I'm dying, I'm dying. God goes, Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, yeah. Th- one of the things that that gets me here. Is that the storm doesn't matter
1: no not to him
0: no see and 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 i, I look at this in, in relationship to other scripture uh when i i was remembering this the other day i, I was looking at it jesus had a plan he had a direction he was going There was a thing and and i know this uh mark leads very quickly up to the cross
1: uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: but there was a, an intention for Jesus and his life here, let alone his death, burial, and resurrection, okay? And God would not let it be derailed. When Elisha is teased for being baldy, 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 uh-huh. God comes out with <laughs> mama bears. Mama bears. Mama bears and tears <laughs> up the people that are ripping, yeah. uh-huh. ripping on him. And, uh-huh. you know, it's, God will protect the, you know, he's like protecting the football all the way to the end zone, uh-huh. right? And I see this in that, and, and I think... When I look at it, they're just seeing that it, it wasn't that big a deal. If you're close to Jesus, no problem. I think uh, back in the 90s, uh, what was that movie? Twister. Mm-hmm. You remember that one? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. They're all trying to get to the eye of the storm uh-huh. so they can see what a tornado looks like from the inside. Now I know at least theoretically it's supposed to be calm in the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. There's like no wind, nothing's yeah. going on. Yeah. And I think of that as peace. Uh huh. Not that the storm doesn't exist, Yep. but I can stand here watching the cows and the, and the old yeah. pickup trucks fly by and saying, oh, well, that's what it does. And I think that's the kind of piece that we need to aim for, especially in these times where the world is, seems to be spinning faster.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it's just in, the, in that moment, we can actually just rest in the fact that I'm here next to Jesus and that's the best place to be. Um, and I think that's a, a, a good spot to be at.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, you know there's a couple things to also think about here this storm that they're in as they're going across you know they're going over to Decapolis and they're going to do all this other stuff over yeah. there but, and then they're going to get kicked out of Decapolis for doing good things Right. But, but again going back to that stony soil he talks about suffering persecution for the word and when you run there are people today that are in storms because they're faithful to God But I do believe that there are more who are deceived into believing that they're in a storm because they're faithful to God when really their storm is because of their faithlessness yeah. and That's why we have people like Jonah Who are in a storm and God is with them? Oh, yeah, but he's not with Jonah God is actually with if, if we remember we have all of the crew of the ship are praying to their gods and it don't work Yeah, and then they go get Jonah, Jonah and say hey pray to your god maybe it'll work and Jonah hides <laughs> so then they draw straws and God reveals to them you know Jonah goes okay yeah, I gotta fess up and, and they cast him off God was actually with the rest of them yeah. and the faithlessness the, the, the disobedience of Jonah the improper conditioning of his heart Uh, To act on something uh, was what caused that storm was there for a reason there's people today that go You know i'm in a storm and they could hear us talking and say don't let the storm die because you know Don't pray for that because god's with you when really no 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 you have run from god in faithlessness You have run from god in disobedience and there's a storm there saying get out of the boat that you're in so that god can and in doing that, so that God can reposition you. That's what the whale was there. Or the big fish was there for. Yeah. Was to reposition Jonah's heart, but also reposition Jonah. I mean, what are the odds of him getting spat out? You know, and, and just be like, "Here I
0: am." Now, I'm hearing the whale as a GPS re, 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 recalculating. Yeah. Like, recalculating. but what is it? But so, <laughs> so the
1: storms can be so many things, and and one of the things that I really, um, you know, is difficult to con- to communicate is when somebody comes to you and the storms of life. Are a torrent that they created and now they're asking God for yeah. it to stop.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of something. I, I can't remember my address on this one, so you might be able to point me out. But um, Paul says at one point, he said, it, it's one thing to suffer for good and another one to suffer needlessly. Yeah. Or basically, yeah. yeah. You know who caused that mess, buddy? How's yeah. that working out for you? Yeah,
1: now, There's a guy on the radio. He was—I can't remember who was preaching. I just heard it uh, yesterday and today. He says, "Choose to sin. Choose to suffer."
0: James McDonald. There,
1: you were listening to him too. Yeah, and so I was like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." And there are times when we are, quite often, when we come to Christ, we are in a self-created hurricane, mm-hmm. and we are at that that dying gasp. And that's when those storms are calmed. But the reason why those storms are calmed, because that person that created those, here's is what I love about it. The person who created those storms, which is you, no longer exists when you come to Christ. Yeah. Because behold, all has become new. Yeah. And so when that happens, that's how the storm is calmed uh, as far as uh, the eternal storm, the emotional storm, the, the, the mindsets, all that stuff. But you, know, you still probably have some, some uh, stuff to clean up. Oh, yeah. You know, storms are messy and uh, and that's that discipleship process of being humble and going. I created a problem and now I will help clean that problem up. And you do that with God's help. Um, And it's not to be a religious activity. It's to be uh, something that you do um, out of the new you. Yeah. The new me hates the old me, but the new me loves the same people. So I want to make it right. I want to make it better. That's why he says, don't bring an offering if you're, if, if you have offended your brother or your brother yeah. has offended you. So, so they coming out of the storm. We can go a million ways and you're with a preacher that's going to go all over the place, but Jesus will calm the storms that he has to calm in order to get your attention. Yeah. But if calming the storm doesn't get your attention, then I think it's going to just keep going and going yeah. and going.
0: I think there's something to that definitely. When when I look at it, you know, the choose to sin, choose to suffer thing is is definitely a big piece there. We know that generally suffering is going to happen on some level throughout our lives. Um, and I, I really look at the overall of this chapter. Actually, there's two verses that really hit me with a ton of bricks. Number one, because I'm really, really always um, maybe borderline obsessive about... How God is revealing Himself to people, uh-huh. uh, and that's that verse twenty-two really gets it for me. It says, "Whatever is hidden, is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open." Mm-hmm. And there's things we tried to hide and we keep behind our curtain that eventually will be opened.
1: The rocks. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and on the other side, we had that Wizard of Oz moment. Uh huh. I can't. I can't imagine for a moment that all the flying monkeys. Witches short people and and every other creature that lives in eyes not one of them stuck around long enough to see the curtain open Exactly there had to be four strangers for outsiders to sit and hang out long enough to figure that one out Yeah, yeah. and it it, it it comes to me in this way that I know that throughout my life Somebody asked me what was your come to God moment? I'm like well Let me give you a list of 500 because it started as a trickle and came to a stream Came to a rushing river, and now I'm drowning in the ocean.
1: Uh-huh. You
0: know, it, it's it's a progression where God slowly reveals Himself and His character and His identity yeah, to yeah. us, and and even more so His directives of what we should do with ourselves. Um, the other the other one that really hits me is this identity issue. Uh, at the, verse forty one, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Yeah, And I think that first eight chapters of this book really leads to that particular question.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, Jesus was, you know, uh, I understand Jesus, the person of Jesus, as the personification of the word of God. So when the word is spoken, that the, the active agent of the spoken word was Christ mm-hmm. in creation. So uh, to me, that's a nerdy revelation of, Duh! That's why the women lose. You know, um, but I don't know that that's necessarily what they were looking for. Um, one thing that I know hasn't changed about man is we have always been in awe of power. Yeah. And when they see power, they follow power. Yeah. And when when this happened here, they saw it and they followed it, and then. It's not too long before Peter's getting out of a boat, <laughs> right. you know, because because that's what that's what they're after. And I think that God does. He he likes to reveal himself yeah. in ways that that create awe, But at the same time, uh, Jesus, even in this, was still living in the conviction that I only do and say what I see the father doing and, and hear what he's saying. Yeah. So even when Jesus wakes up and goes and does this stuff, somehow, either he he talked to the Lord before getting on the boat and the Lord told him, yeah, or he had a really quick conversation with God when they woke him up and God said, yeah, go do it. Uh, God continue, continues to, God the Father, through Jesus, get glory as people don't lift a man up, but they lift God up. And right. Jesus says, to them, you know, he, he wasn't like, yeah, you know, it was me when they asked this question. He was like, well, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just that good. You know, right. uh, he goes on later on just to say everything that you've ever heard me say or seen me do was what God is actively doing. Yeah, that's what I mean by I'm about my father's business. And and so when they're asking this question and all this stuff, who is this man? I think it is, though, the question we should be asking all the time. Too often we read scripture and we go, well, what does this mean about Anthony or what does this mean about Ben or how can I apply this to manipulate uh, my my problems right. or the people problems? How can I justify myself? How can I condemn somebody even with the word of God? But the revelatory question, who are you, Lord? Yeah. And, <laughs> and even, I think even,
0: it's, it's hard to debate. Someday we'll ask him. But uh, even when Jesus, or Jesus asked Peter and says, who do you say that I am? Yeah. You're the Christ. Yeah. Well, did he mean you're the Christ like the Maccabees? Yeah. Or does he mean, uh, like, are you just going to save Israel? Or he just, I don't think he had a clue. And yet it's, it's the Roman guard that gets it. Yeah. It's the demons that understand who he is before people do. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing because we, we see that in the next chapter in, in uh, chapter 5.
1: Exactly. Well, and when we, I mean, not to jump over there, because I'm sure you're going to discuss that with another pastor. I will. Uh, You know, but uh, the kingdom of heaven is exactly what it is, is a kingdom. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we have to also acknowledge that we're asking God to get off his throne and do something that he has predestined another person to do in faith for you, um, or even that he has sent heavenly hosts with mission. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's things that we just don't understand happening. I mean, you have, you have Elisha saying to Gehazi, lift up your head and look, okay. He can't see it. God opened his eyes now. Oh, chariots of fire. Forget the army surrounding us, (laughs) you know? And so there, there's times when God does it, God still did it because it was God's authority that sent the work to be accomplished. And, um, in relationship, we are able to talk to the one who who says, "I've got a guy for everything that needs to be done," and through His Spirit, uh, we have such a direct line. So we're not, you know, waiting around for Michael to show up. And Michael's like, "Oh, on my way." I ran into Satan, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, what just happened? We got why, a direct line. That's why it took two weeks. Why did we talk about Michael? But now we have this direct line, and and when we we come to this question, and you know, Jesus says to Peter, you know. That wasn't you, it was the Holy Spirit that revealed that truth to you. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of ways, we have to understand that we don't understand. We have to understand that it's the Holy Spirit who will reveal Himself to us. And we can think we know all that we think we know. Yeah. Until the Holy Spirit shows us what is true.
0: And there's that faith like a child again. Yep. I remember it... Uh... At three, I thought my dad was the strongest man in the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: At ten, I thought my dad was nothing. Uh huh. And at thirteen, I thought he was less than nothing. Mm. And uh, my dad actually saved me from getting jumped in the mall one time. I was getting beat up by two guys. It, was, <laughs> I, it just started out of nowhere for no good reason. One of the guys just punched me, yeah and uh, the other guy decided, "Hey, this is what we're doing." He picked one of the dudes up over his head and threw him on the floor. Wow. And all of a sudden I went from my dad is everything to nothing, less than nothing, to my dad is Hulk Hogan.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think that progression happens in our face sometimes when we become new Christians. Yeah, God is is everything. He's stronger than Uh all. My dad can beat up your dad, right?
1: (laughs) Until we learn something. (laughs) Until we learn something and then I'm
0: smarter than that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: We think much of ourselves Uh and more of ourselves until we see it happen again, and they're like, "No, Hulk and, Hogan has yeah. nothing on my and dad." It right? Talks about
1: knowledge puffing up. You know, yeah. Knowledge puffs up. Well, what knowledge? Because then Second Peter one it talks about knowledge that word ignosis, knowledge that we have yeah. all things that pertain to life and godliness. Different knowledge, different knowledge. One knowledge pertains to the character and person of God. Right. The other knowledge pertains to man's wisdom, and or man's. Man's decree, man's systems, man's whatever—what's yeah. tangible for man. And so, the uh, uh, thing is, is as God reveals Himself, which He does in His Word, but also in prayer and worship, and uh, he, he desires. How dare we cut the Lord off and say He doesn't speak to people anymore? Right. You know, God is so relational. If we would only agree with Him, yeah. that He wants to talk to us, we'll start to hear Him. And uh, uh, as we do that, he reveals himself. You know, So often I run into people who, who have a lot of head knowledge, tons of head knowledge, but they seem to not be living from a place of victory in their life. And it's because they, they have tons of head knowledge, but then they take that head knowledge to justify their suffering. And you go, no, 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 don't justify your suffering through head knowledge. If God is good, then don't justify your suffering unless that suffering is for the word of God. Yeah. Um, and so we, we have to not go there. We have to understand as God reveals himself, we live increasingly in an abundant life that he provided.
0: Right. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, well thank you for going through uh, chapter four with me today and Mark. Uh, we're just going to ask that everybody continues to read the scripture for yourself. We'll always be here for you. We want to make sure that we go through this entire thing. It's going to take me a while to get it done, but come alongside us. Don't just let us do it for you. Do this for yourself because here's the thing. Is, as Anthony was saying, God speaks with us. He's relational. A lot of us treat prayer like it's just, hey, I'm asking you to get off your throne, as he said earlier. I'm, I'm asking for this, that, and the other. But truly, it's, it's a relationship, and God does speak back to us. First, through Scripture. Second, through His people. But then also we have these moments of special revelation where God just makes things apparent, sometimes through whispers, sometimes through winks, sometimes through absolute shouts in our lives that God will talk to us and move us in a certain direction. So make sure to continue that relationship. I'm just going to close this out in prayer today. Um, so please join with me. Father God, you are amazing there's no thing that i can use or say that would help me in wrapping my head around it all i know is that your love is expressed perfectly through your son jesus christ we thank you for your giving of his his life to us that the sacrifice and the resurrection through all the pain that you must have suffered through that i truly repent and i'm sorry for what i've done that that made that necessary Father, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that makes Jesus even more understood through my life, that I can see what he's done more and more every day. I thank you for your direction, and I thank you for your instruction in my life. I thank you for, for whittling me away, just getting rid of all the things that are not worthwhile in my life. Father, for this I thank you, and so much more. I love the wonderful things you've done in my life and I'm waiting in great expectation for what you're going to do next. You have a seed and you're not afraid to throw it, even on rocky soil like mine, Lord. Help tend me and move me so I'm better soil so that your kingdom can grow in me and through me. That your, your gospel would be for the life and the benefit of the world around us to bring us closer to you. We thank you for this in your wonderful name. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, everybody. Make peace with God and then be his grace in this world.